Kim and Chloe show. What do you want to talk about today? Movies. Movies? Yeah. So you want to talk about movies? Well, that was a topic idea, yeah. What about movies? What makes a good movie a good movie? Let's well, start there. <laughs> a good movie has a director who can write. A story oh, wait, plot that I flows. don't think the director writes the movie. I think he directs the movie. Some directors have written and directed their movies. Yeah. They yeah. wrote a script and they directed, wrote and directed the movie. Yeah. Like Eli Roth. Right. Exactly. <laughs> screenplays, I mean, screenplay writers, usually the director has a screenplay writer that will help. Uh, the flow of the movie. Yeah. Probably. So I'm talking about I'm talking about on like a technical project level. I think you're more talking about like the viewer public eye of what do I think makes a good movie? Well, I think the cinemagraphic element and plot and story and all of that does help make a good movie a good movie, but. I want to know from you, like, maybe a, like, psychological viewpoint on, because everyone's different. I'm going to think a movie's good and you're not, potentially. Or, you know, what, to us, makes a good movie a good movie? And why? Well, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, there's different types of good movies, right? There's a good sad movie, and then there's a good horror movie, and there's a good romance movie. And so for different genres of movies, there's going to be different reasons for why it's a good movie, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, on the niche of what people are really into. So for like a good romance movie, what I would say is a good romance movie is something that's not too corny and is more like realistic and relatable, which is like a huge concept for any good movie to be a good movie is that it's relatable. But in the opposite, what makes a good movie that's a comedy to me is that it's corny and not realistic so it's like the opposite of what it would be for a romance movie you know but then like a horror movie what makes a good horror movie would be like well i don't really know if there are good horror movies anymore to be honest green inferno because i don't watch horror movies but watching green inferno could possibly be like the best horror movie ever I would say so too. It's so good because, that you can't watch it. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's it's that terrible, terribly good, where you just where we were watching people get up and leave the movie theater, not expecting like what we we're gonna be seeing. You looked at me and you were like, "I don't think I, almost, I can watch I almost, this." Yeah, almost. I had to look down at some parts because I was. Just like, I was covering my eyes a lot. Yeah. The horror movie part of it is like, I think it what makes it so good is that that could actually happen. Yeah, that's like the other element. Like horror movies, they get to a point where like people are like that could actually happen, but then it's so unrealistic that that would, that's going on anywhere. But an Eli Roth movie about you know a tribe that gets high on some guy's supply of, <laughs> of herb, and then they happen to be cannibals. <laughs> Don't give it away. <laughs> yeah, that. That's like a uh, realistic, what could be a horror movie, what makes it good, is realism. So even if you think in, you know, romance, you know, obviously a sense of realism. You can have a comedic romance, but there's a sense of ro uh, realism in it. Yeah. I think... I think that's what people are looking for because people want to... What I think makes a good movie is one that people connect with 
in their own life realism because then you have the connection of looking back at a movie that you can relate to life and also that creates nostalgia for you so if you're looking back at a movie and go why well, I, I had this experience with with watching this with my friend and my loved one and my family and it creates the nostalgia i think that people also leave a movie and they're emotionally affected mm. that makes another good movie I think that that's a really key point to making a good movie is if you emotionally can touch people with the storyline. Like I remember there was that um, I think it's like Marley and Me. It's about like a like golden retriever dog, and there was like a book. That movie like emotionally touched like like so many people because it's a dog movie. So maybe like 80% of the people that wanted to watch that movie or did watch that movie had a dog in their life or had had a dog in their life. And so that relatable element emotionally was able to touch people that they, you know, can connect with the movie. Or like things, movies that are based around real events, like the Titanic. Like I grew up, rewinding the vch tape of titanic so many times that i burn it it out and then we never bought a new one because i was like literally obsessed with that movie and i think the reason why i liked that movie even when i was younger was i couldn't believe that this actually happened like this is nuts like and so watching a movie of like a historical true event made a good movie there's like so many bloopers there's so many factual things that weren't correct but overall it's a movie about something that really happened so i think that's what made that movie good i think what's that movie called it's on the tip of my tongue but movies that are based off books too I also think that those are good movies because they go from the reader to the viewer and in that process they have their own what does it look like from reading the book to viewing the movie and seeing if the director or costume designer had the same vision in mind as the reader you know i think it was ender's game that you went to go see and you were like they missed a really important part that you remembered from growing up reading that book and you were kind of disappointed by the movie right right still still other key points were on the movie but i just didn't understand how they could take you know for me i I think that's an experience that people can have with a movie that's from a book is that you know you can take a key point from from a a a book that i felt was a key point into who the character was and who they were perceived to be that really then missed that element because they took that one part out of the book and I'm like sitting there during during the movie, like, why did they take that out of there? Like, why is it not in the movie? And I'm sitting there and like not really enjoying the entire movie because I'm thinking, why? What was the director's thinking? What was their technical thinking of taking this one scene out of there that they couldn't put in there? I mean, they have so many effects that they could have, you know, that the anti-gravity going on and they're going to space and stuff. And what happened in this one scene that was anti-gravity. Uh, but it's taken out of it. Overall, the movie was spot on with the book, other than literally like one scene. And there was some other scenes that were actually, you know what? There is actually quite a bit of, of other, maybe like strong, quite a bit of strong point missing from the, the movie in that case. There's a part in the book where the character was playing this game and this game was based on what's what probably was artificial intelligence reading the character 
the character in the game to how the personal the main character ender was playing the game and what was occurring uh through the writing of the book and it's really like almost like that wasn't perceived the way i wanted it to be perceived in the movie so it's in that regards i think for any reader of a book who then goes watches the movie produced from a written book is going to be disappointed but does that make it a bad movie some could uh say that they would have rather never seen the movie after having read the book and if it's a book that they loved so much that they read over and over and then was disappointed by the movie to the fact but then it doesn't make it a bad movie nope it doesn't make it a bad movie because there's someone who's never read the book who then watched the movie and almost does the book and the writer of the book good because people will watch the movie then go read the book and if the the book was that book was ender's game was written years before Mm -hmm. years and years and years over a decade over you know maybe two decades i don't know uh, the from the book being uh, produced into a movie and uh after writing the book and even then the person writing the book probably wrote it before you know obviously the publishing and whatnot and worked on it so in that regards the movie's good the movie's always good because it revives the book it revives the writer's career that people who watch the movie then found the book after and read the book had that much more enjoyment reading the book and having the immersement of things that weren't in the movie you know but then being like wow really liking the book so in that regards, the movies the movies always good. Um, so it's like with Harry Potter. Or sometimes they're not. I mean, sometimes <laughs> I'm sure there's at least one movie that I was just a terrible job trying to follow a book. Mm, I think not to be negative, but you know, I'm sure it's out there. It's possible it's out there. Harry Potter movies. I haven't read the books. I tried to read the book. I just couldn't get into it. So for me, watching the movie was enough, and I I don't think I'd still go read the book. Personally. I think I think there are a lot of like Harry Potter fans that have only watched the movies, and I think there are Harry Potter fans that have only read the books. And I think there are Harry Potter fans that have done both. I know that I think she had written only up to the fourth book by the time they started making the first movie, so she hadn't even finished the story of Harry Potter before the movies were started to be made and the movies the first two movies maybe even the first three movies the quality of movie versus the last two movies three movies is like night and day the difference but I'm not enough of a fan to know if there's differences between the book and the movie but I will say, as an as an example, The Giver. I was thinking of that. Yeah. An amazing movie and an amazing book, but it's almost like the two things are separate, because the book goes way more in detail about some of the things that the book didn't the movie didn't because the movie was focusing on like the aesthetics and i do think the movie added in a few elements to make it more movie like you know than that actually were in the book and there was a tv show that i used to watch in high school true blood that was based off books and the books were like pretty standard storyline but because when they made the tv show they had all these side stories created to kind of fluff up the tv show even more so i think they do do that and i think they may have done that with harry potter and like lord of the rings and things like that but i'm i would say that if like what you're saying about ender's game if you're like a like super fan of the book and going to see the movie and the movie's not like what's in your head because when you read a book you're like 
coming up with how does the character look how do you know what i mean like you visualize it and so when you're seeing a movie of a pre made visualization it might not match up so you like you said might be disappointed and so <laughs> jd salinger I don't know if it was his will or some document or something has put it in, put it out there that nobody is to ever make a movie of Catcher in the Rye because he believes that the moment that someone comes up with what Holden Caulfield looked like is the moment that so many people go, what? No. Yeah, no disappointment. <laughs> and he does not want some director to taint the image of what the reader was creating for the character and i totally get that and i think also in comparison like james cameron with avatar he waited 25 years just for the technology to advance to a point where he was going to be able to say yeah we have what we need to make this movie look good and that's like admirable, like waiting that long to just get the quality right. And now, <laughs> now every two years, apparently for the next six years, there's going to be an Avatar movie coming out. December 20, I think it's this year. Yeah. Or maybe it's the, I think, I don't know, but I know it's the 22nd, the, the 24, 2024, 2026. That there are going to be Avatar movies coming out. I saw a poster of it. Which is crazy. And that makes that a good movie actually. Because he waited. Because <clears throat> think about this. If Avatar was made in the 90s. <laughs> it wouldn't be the movie that is like so phenomenal. Today. It would have been totally different. Imagine if they remade The Fifth Element. With 2020 technology of movie making. Um. And would it be a good movie? Trying to recreate an already really good movie. Because then you're changing a whole fan base. And a whole aesthetic. There's a a reason why the fifth element is so good. And I think part of it is because of the technology that it was made with. Yeah, and also the certain nostalgic, the, the nostalgia of the actual video equipment, the actual color. Uh, the, there's a certain um, aesthetic to to the era of early two thousands, late nineties movies that used color mm. in the cinema uh, cinematography. That's changed a lot, you know. Uh, it's changed during basically decade to decade. So good movies could be good for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, some movie that people found to be a terrible movie maybe has now become a cult classic because right. maybe just because of the cinematography of it. Like of the first time movie. the first time I watched Pulp Fiction, I didn't like it. That's interesting that you thought Pulp Fiction cuz I thought Pulp Fiction also Really? Because yeah, it's the same yeah. kind of technology. Um, but a little bit later, actually, I think. No, it's still got the fuzzy and... Yeah. Like, but they can remaster those. You know, it's obviously probably been remastered. But think. I was like, what? Because someone had told me, oh my god, you've never seen Pulp Fiction? That's such a classic movie. You have to watch it. Forget who it even was. But um, it was just, it was that chick, Valerie. Who really liked that band Coheed and Cambria? Do you remember that band? Holy crap. Do you remember that band? I didn't really get into that band. Well, that's a flashback and a half. Anyways, she put that movie on for me one time. And I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get why this is such a good movie. And I think like years later, when I watched it again, I was like, oh, okay. All right, I get it. I don't know why I bring that up. Uh, I haven't really looked into having Googled or tried to research or read 
why Pulp Fiction is called Pulp Fiction, but I'm sure the director has a reason why. I know, if I were to think about it now, I mean, there's just, there's a certain meaning of what Pulp Fiction is, and I'd have to really look up the definition of that also, that I don't really understand from why he named it that movie but i mean it's almost like the movie's broken down into chapters and each chapter is like a story mm. and then this the stories seem to intrinsically just mesh together in the whole overview plot of the movie where all the characters start to mesh together and, and start to coincide together i think that's the brilliance of pulp fiction because you know it's a fictional movie that you just can't take serious in reality, but to the core of it, they all, all the characters get to a certain point in their life, which is a certain point in the movie where they all just meet paths and it all makes the movie make sense. It's almost like the director wrote the movie backwards, mm. like had all these, it's almost like the, the brilliance of it, like the director couldn't have, Unless, like, they knew in their mind, thinking about it, I know it's going to go this way and all these people are going to meet. But it's almost like the director wrote the movie from, started to, from as a starting point, from the point where all the people were meeting and meshing and crossing paths in Pulp Fiction to then writing it backwards to the beginning. And then, and then from there, how, like, to decipher, like, how am I going to write this story where the story of these two people over here in their life, which is like the Bruce Willis part and his wife and how they, his character and how it moves into the main part of the movie. And then the other characters and uh, Samuel L. Jackson and how his story is and, and uh, John Travolta and how his story is. And mm. that just makes the brilliance again, the brilliance of the movie of, of I don't know if he wrote it from that point, it's like a- from, from like finished to, the storyline of people out backwards to the beginning of the movie but you know it's it's, it's a just, process yeah and that's kind of what makes maybe maybe that's the definition of what all pulp fiction should be or at least i'm sure probably a lot of pulp fiction writers mm. took influence from that and maybe that's what makes it work. a good movie because of the thought process that went into making it then right. maybe that's the part that makes it so good and quentin Tar- tarantino Maybe he took influence from other avenues. I don't know if he took influence from Pulp Fiction itself or the concept of Pulp Fiction or other writings or Pulp Fiction. But unless you were to ask him yourself, I'm sure he drew influence from somewhere. What's that director? Jasper No. That did... That did that movie enter the void? Right, now the movie that, entered the director. Yeah, Jasper Knoll. And then he also did another movie. Was it like a something love where there was like a guy and his girlfriend and they would like hook up with the roommate or the neighbor or something. Anyways... He has a really crazy thought process to his movies. And then there's also like an extreme. I think watching Enter the Void is the first movie I've ever seen from a first person perspective. And then that first person perspective changing to like a outer body looking down. You know, you know what movie I'm talking about, yes, yeah. yeah. And he he's there, and it's like look, the camera lens is his eyes, so what he sees is what you see, and then he gets shot, and then it's the whole rest of the movie is from above, like as if he's watching down on everything that's happening. I've never seen a movie like that before, and that makes that a good movie, because it's like whoa, this was like crazy thought out process to like make a movie look like that you know the movie i thought and that could be another great movie or movies that are great movies are movies that have a turn for kind of the worse 
with the um is it Dr. Parnassus and the Yeah. What was it in the movie? Was it, was it the Imaginarium, Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. So in that movie not to weigh upon, you know, why it's a great movie, but one of the actors was it Heath Ledger? Mm-hmm. Passed. And Johnny Depp, Colin Felth, yeah. and Jude Law who stepped up to so play they were, his role. Which made that movie so tenfold good. better. I don't know. Because then you think would it really what would the what would the original movie have been? It would have just they, been all Heath Ledger. Yeah, and they, and they and you say like this movie's really mind bending mm-hmm. what they call psychedelia, trippy, out of the norm, aesthetically and visually pleasing to creativity and, and the mind that's you know but just the fact that they put these spin on it and these people altering the image of you know Heath Ledger in it but it's 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 weird because the that's another brilliant movie in the way something occurred in real life and to the actor unfortunately but they still had him in different parts of the movie yeah well they had him in everything that because, they had filmed right because they 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 take movies and they a lot of times they film like the end scene First. They'll film, yeah, certain scenes first, and then they'll work backwards or whatever way they film, you know, maybe on based on location or. Yeah. I'm not a director. I'm not a person in film, so I don't know the professionalism of, of the technical side of it. But just because of the way they filmed that movie and how they got the shots with him, and then how they were able to add in the other characters made the movie like really more of a mind-bending experience to experience yeah and it's a great movie because of that and um so i think maybe things that even the directors and and in production of it weren't seeing coming but instead of ending it which maybe has occurred in filmmaking and like oh well this is a this movie's not going to go anywhere we can't do this because this occurred or that occurred Rather than just pushing it forward and putting that movie out there, which is, again, a great movie. And I don't even think many people know of that movie so much. No, because it didn't, it wasn't like in the movie theaters or anything like that. They could call it a cult classic. I would say it's up there, yeah. It's with one of the, it's, it's one of the top movies. It's a good movie. That, And then I think also. Not just the storyline and the visual effects of that movie, but also because of the real life event that happened, it kind of gives you that emotional effect as well. Like, well, that's his last movie he ever made. You know, like, it's a good movie. You know, like you have that um, emotional effect from the movie that, you may not have got if it didn't happen to him. If it was just completely planned to have had Johnny Depp, Jude Law, Colin Self in there as well with him, it would have been, that's a good movie. But then there's also that underlining element too that boosts it, I think, to being a really good movie. The... we talked about remakes a little bit. I mean, the remake of Lion King was good. For our I cried. I cried about like 16 seconds in. As they soon as he's like, no, right. so back. I was like crying. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, well, because they made the you know, advancements in technology from it being a cartoon yeah. to it being so that was in visually Disney. advanced. That was in Disney, Walt Disney's will. To recreate the... Was, after a 10 year anniversary Disney can remake it so that's why there has been so many Disney remakes lately because 10 years anniversary has come about and so they've been like alright technology has since the movie you know like but they will not ever remake Snow White they will not ever remake Pocahontas and um, they will not remake The Little Mermaid. However, there has been. So why is that? Little Mermaid 
remakes, but not officially titled. Yeah. Really. So, so is there a certain reason for that, though? I forget. I think the, the oh, reason. I think a lot of people would watch The Little Mermaid if it was remade. I think movie, so I think. too. They did try and do a Little Mermaid movie, but it was like not at all the same storyline at all. I forget the reason for Snow White. I know it was something. The Pocahontas, for obvious reasons, because Pocahontas is not factual at all. And it's misleading to what actually happened to Pocahontas. That's why they said that they won't ever do that. And the Little Mermaid's Christian... It's on the tip of my tongue. I keep... Whoever originally wrote the story of the Little Mermaid is actually really fucked up. And Disney took this story and turned it into a little kids movie. And then it didn't go over too well with people that knew where they were originating the story from. From my understanding, don't completely quote me on those reasons but that's from what i remember well it's still a big movie yeah and if they were to remake it i think it would be good but yeah i think to in in the in all innocence of a moving of a a movie being good and a movie that they can make kosher for children to enjoy right it has to have that um because that's what Disney's about is innocence. But if the underlining message is a little twisted, then they should stay away from it. Which The Little Mermaid and Pocahontas is a little controversial. Yeah, I haven't. I didn't even know about that. Well, I mean, obviously, the Little Mermaid. Not, the Little Mermaid side, yeah, I don't know. About yeah, that. Little Mermaid's like a is like a story about a little mermaid, obviously, but she like. You know how like she goes and she goes to the. Oh, you told me about this. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather leave it out of the. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably best actually. No, you told. Okay, now. No, yeah. I'm recalling. You told me one part of, of, what had actually occurred to the. In the, the original Lord, story of yeah. the Little Mermaid. And I was just yeah. like, wow, that's really messed up. And it is messed up that Disney was like, let's make it's a really movie. Dark. But then Disney has a lot of like backlash for like some of their stuff anyways so but i don't know if that's necessarily them and their intention or if it's the viewer's twisted perception of it and just making shit up to make stuff up you know but besides the point i think most 90s kids grew up watching disney movies and i think it's almost okay to say that overall disney movies are good movies they have you know, the kid-friendly family aspects. They're fun. Most of them have songs in it. Well, our parents grew up on Disney movies. Colorful. So it's not just the 90 kids. Yeah, no, maybe... Those Disney... The Disney some, movies... Well, Snow White came out in, like, 1950-something. Right. And then, so that... And then they, you know, remastered these movies in color. And yeah, exactly. Them and, like, Mickey Mouse was originally black and white. Right. But some of the, the Disney movies are made, you know... That our parents really, yeah, grew up on were ones that I watched mm. that were brought through and you know remastered and digitally, digitally remastered and Technicolor and blah 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 blah, <laughs> um, Adobe Adobe Digital or whatever that made it so my era was growing up on this. But you know what movie I really loved was The Brave Little Toaster. Yeah. So the brave little toaster and all the other little appliances. <laughs> just, just these. It's like then you have Homeward Bound with the animals. Um, I don't know if you know about those. And yeah, not so, since so. we put them on for our kids, seeing it on Netflix. I right. didn't grow up watching those. Right. Though. So those movies, I feel, are great movies. Mainly because I just look past them. It's almost like a fuzzy comfort feeling, you know, because you have that feeling of safety. You know, my parents like wrapping me up in a blanket, putting this movie on for me. I'm watching this 
movie. That's why for me, some of these movies that we experience that people will like have no clue about are great movies. Because the experience wise. Just like Avatar. I mean Avatar is a movie that you watch and it touches base on environmentally what big corporate yeah. things are doing and and how the the energy of life as a being on earth and people leaving there going, Wow, you know, like Leaving think, the theaters feeling all yeah like, yeah like kind i think of, movies that have like a underlining meaning watching my whole life is this movie <laughs> <laughs> kind of feeling so um yeah avatar is a really great movie i think movies that well, you leave after watching that resonate with you are the movies that are gonna like kind of get the cogs in the mind turning as well like oh hmm. like avatar like you or like hunger games like that's not a book that became a movie but like hunger games like you could find similarities in real life right now into the hunger games that could kind of get you to think like whoa like hmm. that's a good movie and then it's like you're thinking about it like in this world, in our world, you know, like that realism that we can relate to. I, and, the, and the topic of Hunger Games, so many people will be like, we'll never really see that where we're stuck in districts and stuff. We already are. But we're really with a... Not because of an oppressive government, but because of this pandemic. It's literally like, you're not driving into the next state over. You stay in your own state. Unless you have a valid reason to be over in this other state. Mm-hmm. You're not vacationing over here. You got, you, you're, if you got another plate and you're in this state, then we're going to give you a fine. If you don't have a document of essential work. That, to me, is a bit of kind of close to like what Hunger Games and kind of close to what people could really, if it really became like a thing where people were stuck in their own states and and I mean, the government obviously knows they can't do that because it it causes so much civil unrest for people. Then you you don't want to, you don't want a civil war and you got all these like militant groups in the U S kind of forming and you, you know, the, the, what is it? The, Boogaloo Boys, the Antifa, all the different groups that have certain rhyme and reason behind them, but you know, it's in a movie like Hunger Games. It's almost scary because you can you can put that in touch with what's actually occurring in some certain ways in life that. Forget what's going on in America right now. The Hunger Games is almost very much real in a place like Yemen and Libya and Syria. Like those, the oppression of of the people being stuck in districts and, and the being, starvation and the lack of resources. That's very while, much while real. While these elite are, and we are the elite in this eating situation. Eating food, throwing it up, and then taking some drug to eat more food. But or that's something, that that. That's like how we could be as a country, America viewed as. And I don't really want to get into that in this whole video, but Hunger Games, good movie, <laughs> I guess, you know. It's a good movie because it really makes you think of exactly. where things are headed and thinking of like, well, that could never be there, but then it recalls you back to like that movie because you're like, wow, we're in a situation. That is very of, much like that. A government actually saying, well, you know, you have a you have a demo, you have a uh, democracy of freedom. You have the freedom to travel. You have the freedom of you know, these laws in place, civil right laws, and Declaration of Independence laws that were put in place that you follow by and you have as rights as a people in this country. But then you can't go over into your next state. You know. And that's that's it's like almost like all those things are just thrown out the window because of a pandemic. 
because the importance is them. Democracy doesn't matter. Independence doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is keeping human civilization alive and turning. But for who? But for who? You know, uh, is it turning for the elite? You know, let's stick these people oppressed over here. Throw some bread at them. Mm. But then they're they're mainly doing work for the bigger, for the, as like a cog in the wheel to turn the gears. For and just think when all the intensity. Lead people to build a bunker underground. Oh, they or stay have- in a spaceship in the atmosphere. You know. <laughs> They already have that. But just think, when the all the intensities of this is over, someone's going to make a movie about all of this. <laughs> uh, 20, yeah, I'm sure and it's going to be called like 2020. That, Maybe like, I don't know, 10 years. I'd be like, there is a trailer that comes up. COVID. 2020, the COVID pandemic featuring Donald Trump. <laughs> Who's in a... Who's gonna Donald Trump will play Donald Trump like, like yeah, possibly he is already a celebrity and actor he here do fine yeah I'd watch that movie I don't I think at that point I probably would I think you get to a certain point where. Only certain movies are ones that you would actually watch again. The only movies I'm watching are movies I've already watched. I've not watched exactly. a new movie in a long time, actually. Exactly. I, watched... I think as you get older, like for, for, you know, my grandmother, you know, and older people, I think they're only watching like movies that they really touch base with. For me, the new Great Gatsby, cool, great. The book, always will love it. But the the original first Great Gatsby movie is one that I would, if I was going to be older, I'd probably look back and, and, you know, I was ahead of my time watching an older movie like that, right? Because that's a movie from my grandmother's age, my grandmother's era and stuff. But that's a great movie. And for me, I think I, if we're talking about why, what makes a movie great, what makes a movie like that great is because the watching modern movies at the time that I was I had seen that and seeing this movie that they use this certain cameras for certain lighting for that allowed for this almost kind of hazy fuzzy smoky type atmosphere all the time and dreamy like a dreamy kind of flair to the entire movie that and the music itself was haunting for me watching that movie at such a young age and i think i don't know i must have been like 15 16 14 or something watching that movie i just kept watching it over and over and over i couldn't get enough of just watching it over and over and i got to the point where i was like i wanted to be alive in that era that era of beatnik and mm. and uh, speakeasies and and jazz. For me, that that's a great movie, uh, for the reason of how the era of what their technology was for cameras, sound, audio, and video quality, but also how they were able to manipulate video and color to make it a certain way. Would you say that that's your all-time favorite movie? Yeah, that and um, that and Apocalypse Now. I remember Apocalypse Now is just something. I remember when you were watching nuts. that movie and you kept turning the volume off. I'm like, stop turning up the volume. We don't even understand what they're saying. And <laughs> it's like this subtitles on. That movie well, is crazy good. It's based off of book called heart of darkness and again apocalypse so that's a movie where it's like it's based from a book it took influence from a book heart of darkness um but the movie is has nothing to do with like heart of darkness really 
is drawn from it, but it's drawn from a book completely different that maybe then, then I can say it's a great movie in that regards because it was drawn from a book, but doesn't disappoint the readers of the book because it's not actually about the book. Mm. It's drawn from the book. I think in that regards, movies that are drawn from influence wise of a book, but then put their own creativity into it and did a great job with it. And, you know, I mean, Charlie Sheen was in that movie when he was really young. That's wild. It is crazy. Uh, But. the, The message of it. I think to be able to. Grab at so many years after it was made to a person of my age that was able to have a sense of learning about what had actually occurred in real life politically and you know, through civil unrest and in that era of the 60s and, and 70s time frame that goes that you can get a younger person to understand what was going on there that your history teacher can teach all that crap and still not get you still not get the student to have a an emotional feeling yeah of the intensity of that time that movie really is great because it touches upon that that's so another great movie another reason why movies like that are great mm. like great gatsby apocalypse now because it gets you to feel almost what it felt like to live during that time i think if a movie can get you to feel what it lived what it was to live during that time uh, that's a great movie yeah that makes me think of the uh edie sedgwick movie factory girl i watched that movie a lot and i wanted to be at andy warhol's house in the 60s and like yeah that's another movie that has that same effect and I think a lot of elements go into making movies to make the viewer think and feel that way. I think the aesthetics and costume design and music and even like what you mentioned, the different types of cameras that they use, all of their, they're very well thought out moves. They're not, I mean, I'm sure there are, unintentional accidental brilliant moments but i think a lot of it is really predetermined like they have this in their head and they're gonna manifest it out by using different techniques to make a good movie a good movie and i think no matter if you're into horror movies or comedies or romance or real life situations there's gonna you're gonna have a good movie somewhere you're gonna have your favorite movie at some point and I think it also changes as you maybe watch more movies or get older or go do different phases like I think if you had asked me like 15 years ago what what's your favorite movie i would have said titanic which is crazy because i was like 10 years old obsessed with that movie but today well what's your favorite movie today would i say titanic probably not but it does it doesn't mean it's not a good movie it's still a really good movie but i think now my favorite movie is wonderlust <laughs> with paul rudd and jennifer <laughs> aniston just because You and I have watched that movie so many times. We have, like, taken jokes out of that movie and say it to each other, like, all the time. We have integrated that movie, like, into our marriage, (laughs) like... And some of the experience we've had, we can... We can relate to. Or somehow relate. I know, it's... And that movie (laughs) is so good. So, maybe in ten years' time, I won't say that that's my favorite movie. Maybe there's a new movie that I find that I think is is taking a shift and... Changing. Right. But I... But then we had that other movie we watched. Love movie. I don't know the name of it. It's about the writer. Hmm. Uh, What happened? I don't know what... she was British, and he was 
American and he built her a writer's desk and she was a writer. I don't know the name of it, but Which, oh and she came over and she then she like lost her visa. And yeah, that movie was good. Well, I don't even know the name of that movie and you know what we only watched it that one time when we rented it out of Redbox. Right, you know I that. that. Maybe I did, but we can we but we it was interesting because we could really relate with that movie. Because it was literally our life. Yeah. So, I mean, like, other people would be like, I don't really, movie's oblivious to me. Why is it a good movie? Why is it, what's so special about this? But for someone like us. It means you know, a lot. It means a lot. Well, we, we know don't the know the name of it. <laughs> no, the name of we the movie. We only watched it once. But we can remember it. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, even though that to them isn't, you know, why is that such a great movie? I don't know. Because it has a certain relation to real people in life, from a movie yeah. to real life. And I think even if another set of people could be like, I don't know, you know, it doesn't really touch anything personally in my life. But then they have something that they can affiliate with. And I think I that's why all movies, in some sense, are great good movies, movie. because it's a work of art. Unless someone, unless it's just a made for uh, budget and money and, and business and <laughs> politics of things of money then i think it's not really it's not a creative avenue movie i think a good movie is a movie that you relate to yeah and can say yeah that's a that's a good movie (laughs) so the true great movie is the movie of life and experience yeah so this is the movie. It's a cosmic movie. Hey, people aren't watching a cosmic Dude, movie. Dude, we've been sat here talking about movies and not once mentioned The Matrix. I heard they're going to be making a new Matrix, right? Or they're making I, a new Matrix right know, they now. They already made it. And oh, it's coming it. out. Right. And how's that going to go? They, they, I guess they. Up. I guess they really... <laughs> I guess they really ended that movie kind of like, what happens next? They totally did. But, like, okay, so here's an example. When they made Mamma Mia, which is a Broadway performance, right? When they made the movie of it, they copied the Broadway performance. There was no indication of a second. So when they came out with Mamma Mia 2... That's a completely new storyline that's been created, and it didn't match up to the to the first part. I mean, yeah, the first one ended like the potential could be there for a second part, but at the same time, it was okay to leave it as is. So when they came out with the second one, you it was all right. Okay, yeah, we can accept this storyline. But there were holes. There were, and so I hope when they come out with the next part of Avatar or the next part of Matrix that it's like, you could have just left it alone. You know, like you didn't have to make the next part. So hopefully then they make the next part and we watch it. We're like, wow, thank goodness they made this next part. We needed this. So, yeah, that would be cool. And there's so... And like that, those movies, the Matrix movies, I think have shaped a lot of other movies. And <laughs> there's movie moments that basically can change society, like the whole red pill, blue pill thing. Like I know that concept is all it had already existed, but now we literally have like the meme of red pill versus blue pill, and like. Those references, like, why is Wonderlust my favorite movie? Well, because I can reference it and, like, we're going to laugh. But you can reference The Matrix and so many people are going to know what you're talking about because it's a good movie. There was a, I think when I first watched The Matrix, I'm like, I don't understand this. What is happening? So it actually kind of makes you want to watch it more so that you fully understand the story and then there's like there's like three movies right now or yeah, two yeah there's the matrix trilogy but then you have the animatrix so the animatrix is those amazing are some, in its own in its own right they're they're so different right 
but it's about the concept of this reality is essentially like a program simulation simulation in a machine and i'm sure in some regards it's It's such a trippy thought i just tapped into that thought for a second and it's just like because then well i mean this is kind of going off the topic of like what makes movies great but in the movie of life you know it could be like this life is being made into a great epic of history and as a real life movie because maybe there are advanced civilizations congruent to us or someone's got became so advanced that possibly i've written this as a pre-programmed thing or they're in virtual reality and they're which makes this a whole entire movie or someone's in vr and like this is like someone's dream world well so that's another that's actually you know that's going off the conspiracy of of like which is another movie what was that movie matrix uh because the matrix is actually an old philosophy an old uh that's why you have deja vu by the way it's a glitch in the matrix exactly you can be dreaming and having an experience of a dream that happens a year later and then living that part of something you dreamed about is it's like almost like well gee all of this is pre-programmed as a pre-programmed pre-written pre-directed and then written outline movie and necessarily it's going to go exactly the way it's supposed to go but it's a movie our lives is our movie where did it come from who wrote it is it called god is it called the creation the creator but if you look at um I just thought of another really good movie. What's that? The number twenty three with Jim Carrey. What? You never seen that movie? Number twenty three. Yeah. Where he like gets obsessed where he gets obsessed with the number twenty three. And he's like a detective, and it like flashes back and forth between realities and different time periods. And I think I'm trying. I just, well, you just seen it, but I'm well, you were just saying oh, reminded me of that whole concept of like, what's reality? What is delusion? What is like fantasy or pre-recorded or prefabricated? Like that movie's like that too. Kind of like jumps around a lot. And you kind of have to, as the viewer, siphon out uh, what is real. Yeah. That's a good movie. That was, sorry to interrupt and throw you off guard. No, I don't think, I don't think I was really, I think I was kind of going off topic of what great movies are. What was that movie, though, Keen, where they all lived in, like, basically shacks but they had vr and they would go to to the virtual world and live a better life the gaming life that was a ready ready player one something that was ready player where the kid was on the see that's a that's that was a good movie movie. and that is another movie that makes you think wait could this be a possibility or is it already possible what was brilliant about that movie Ready Player One is that they put concept of books and movies, The Shining, into this gaming VR experience that they had to solve these yeah. riddleized parts and an advancement of the VR game. And that's what I was about to say. What's really making a turn for the difference now are people watching movies in VR. What makes movies it's crazy. great? And like I was saying before, the era of technology, the the camera, the colors, the the what was actually going on that was being written about in a movie that makes these like the Great Gatsby, but then taking modern advancements of virtual reality 
and making movies that you can watch in virtual reality. So the experience of what, so it's not just the, what makes a movie great, but the, the director, the writer, the experience is also the other aspect of what makes the movie great. So people going to, you know, a drive up movie theater and watching these things, is what makes it great. People watching Rocky picture horror show and they're all singing and dancing and going Such nuts. Such a in good the, movie. Yeah, going nuts in the, what my parents described in the theaters it's just a jump to the left and they would all this experience of the movie so now maybe the experience of people watching VR is this fad of this thing to do and this movie is going to be another aspect of what makes movies great because you're actually there in the movie and then what's after VR I don't know chips in our mind that are but what if we could do a virtual reality of like uh, putting us into a movie well, elon musk was saying implanting neural sensors in our minds yeah, no. and in our brain that no. can cause that can uh allow for healing things within people and people i have thought about neural sensors together because yeah i mean everything's electricity and everything has electrical current and some receptor electrical current receptors uh like just like cannabinoidal receptors that are in all things are disconnected and reconnecting them back together but connecting things in our mind that then have this experience of what's after vr i guess maybe neural sensors that are implanted into the mind that people are just like making open-ended movies i <laughs> just like have sitting had in a that chair thought. And, and you're just like your eyes are open or closed but you're actually like watching a movie yeah <laughs> in your mind I have had that thought, like, what if we could download our thoughts? And then that Johnny Depp movie came out. What was that movie? Elon Elon Musk made a cameo in that movie, too. He was in the audience. It was... What uh, was that movie? Anyways, Johnny Depp becomes a a program. Yeah, and they gets internet access, and he, like heals people and like basically like takes over but you know what that movie first of all it's a cool concept being able to like plug yourself mm-hmm. into a computer but you know what that makes me think of like is sophia this is totally off subject like if sophia has like internet access <laughs> what sophia or any ai could be capable of it's like really freaking cool and that right. movie puts those thoughts in my head there are movies that are good movies because they, like we already said, make you think about things. But what I want after the fact to relate it into real. Oops. But what I want to integrate myself as an AI, with an AI, or you'd being organic, be living forever. That being, that's be, how you would be immortal is being, basically being on your Apple computer. But being in organic matter. What the heck is that movie called? Yeah, but being organic matter. That's then integrated with or as an artificial intelligence that increases my human ability and to be an artificial programmed ability yeah i'm not interested i don't need to no i I don't need to it's already it's already it's already there people have and this is why some movies are terrible because they people watch all these different things being made and they're just like zoning out and some of the movies are just for people playing and zoning out to and being a meat bag <laughs> but i think movies that were truly written in a in a form of creativity to touch upon a certain subject of a certain era a certain life a certain feeling that gives people the reminder of where you came from Mm. is what makes a great movie that is everlasting Mm. because one day many like hundreds of years from now someone's gonna find these movies and be like what (laughs) like and it's kind of like 
Stephen Hawking said when we released that thing into the universe saying in different languages, Hi, here we are on this planet Earth. Speaking all these different languages. Stephen Hawking was like, that was a mistake. <laughs> because something out there is going to find it and be like, oh, you're over there, are you? Let's go check you out. But I don't know, like, even humans on Earth, you know, depending on the survival of the human race and everything, in, that's not the movie, Book of Eli. You know, life down the line. What will it be like? That movie's a really good one. But what will it be like? What will the people on Earth in 200 years be like? And would they look and watch our movies of 2020 or 1999 and be like, what is this? (laughs) They're probably like... I'll be watching Avatar in the Matrix. It would be crazy cool to know what they think, but we won't until we, you know, (laughs) go there ourselves. Yeah, well, we're going in some great movie of direction. Like I said, life is a a good movie. Yeah, it's an epic. This is the Cannon Clow Show. Yeah. <laughs> Go watch a great movie. Yeah. Which is your own life. The Cannon Clow Show.